This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks for joining me on this June 28th edition of Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and there's a lot to talk about today. Some banks are offering increased interest rates for certain accounts. You see that? Unemployment is down. We all know that. And manufacturers continue to announce plans to relocate jobs from overseas to the United States. I don't know if you remember, those listened to me for a long time, about three or four years ago, I was talking about, maybe even five, that this was going to happen eventually. Because the costs outside the United States were increasing pretty fast, in China especially. Employment costs, so their wages were going up. Eventually, that was going to push it back. And, of course, now we see it happening in, uh, in, in a big way. I got several interesting financial stories to talk about, but, of course, we do want to hear from you today. Not me, you. You drive the show. 888-99-CHART. Now, large and small companies alike are, are proclaiming that they will bring jobs back to the U.S., and this says something about their faith in our economic future. And now, as we get closer to the 4th of July, you may want to know just which companies are we talking about? Which ones are bringing back jobs? How many jobs? What do you think? They're even, I don't know if you saw Foxconn today, but they broke ground on the new Foxconn, Foxconn facility in Wisconsin. I think that's going to employ like 5,000 people or something, maybe 10. Huge. You know who Foxconn is. They're the ones who make uh, the Apple phone in Asia. They put it together. They're the ones. So they're building a huge factory here, complex, huge complex. So large and small companies are doing this. Companies like Apple, GM, Intel, Ford, GE, Caterpillar, Amgen, Whirlpool. Big, big. We'll talk about it a little bit more coming up. Uh, I'll highlight some of the encouraging data that, that we see with those jobs later on the show. But first, we've learned the best way to kick off the program is to go right to our voicemail listeners, those who called and left a message. So we play the recorded question here right now. It's on our 24-hour listener line. It's 888-99-CHART, and this is a new call. Hi, Steve and Justin. Uh, long-time listener here to the show. Love what you guys teach us. Thank you. I have a question on a stock I've been looking at. Was it Match, M-T-C-H? And um, it's an app that a lot of dating sites and stuff on it had been going up, doing really good. It's kind of stabilized here now. Some of the stuff I've read out say it's going to go up again here. I was wondering what your thoughts are on it. Would this be a good purchase, or is it kind of a dud and I should keep looking on for something else? Thank you for your insight. Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Have a good day. Okay, this is Match Group, uh, provides dating products in 42 languages, a portfolio branch across more than 190 countries. It's an $11 billion company. Can you believe that? A dating service company is $11 billion. They have made money consistently for years, and they've been growing their earnings pretty nicely. I mean, they went, for the, went from 65 cents last year, 2017, 
and they're going to go to a dollar thirty-four this year, a hundred percent increase. Then another twenty percent increase next year, and so sales growth has gone up thirty-six percent in the last quarter, thirty twenty-nine percent a quarter before that, nineteen. It's got some really good uh, growth, but I think a lot of that earnings might be because of acquisition. So you got to be, we got to look at that carefully. I can't see it from here, but that's possible. They do have a lot of debt, which is a concern. The debt is a concern to me uh, because they're they're a thirty-nine dollar stock going to make a dollar sixty-one. That means they're you know twenty-three, twenty-five PE. I don't find that very compelling. Five-year average is 13 to 62. Return on equity is very good at 39%, but that debt, it's a lot of debt, maybe because they bought other dating services. I don't know. Um, the company is fundamentally sound, except I worry about the debt. I need to find out, before you buy it, I think you need to find out what, what the debt is all about. You know, um, otherwise it's growing sales quickly and earnings nicely, and of course it has risen because of it. And it's at thirty-nine dollars, and that's the highest it's been trading at for years. So even though it got up to forty-six, forty-seven, that was the highest. Then it fell. MTCH Match Group is the name of the company. Everybody. 888.99 chart at the top of the program. I mentioned the good news wave, and it includes a serial reshoring. Have you heard, remember? Have you heard that term? Have you been paying attention to it? Reshoring. That means relocation of jobs back to the United States. Reshoring back instead of offshoring. Reshoring. Now, according to a story published by USTodayToday.com. An advocacy group called Reshoring Initiative has calculated that the number of jobs being reshored by U.S. companies has increased more than tenfold since 2010. Tenfold. Ten times in eight years. Each company has its own reasons for consolidating manufacturing operations in the United States, and the number of jobs and size of investment involved in reshoring projects also varies by the company. It's not hard to figure out why they're doing it. One reason is costs overseas and those low-cost areas that they were using are not as cheap as they used to be. Another, transportation costs to bring the goods to sell to their customers here in the United States is going up as well. It is smarter to manufacture close to where you're going to sell the product. Then you have you know, different kinds of costs as you ship and then import. So many of these companies are thinking in terms of it might be much more cost efficient. Apple is going to, and you've heard this, they're going to they're gonna relocate 22,000 jobs back here in the United States. Texas would benefit the most. In January, Apple announced plans to invest $30 billion, B, with a B, billion in capital expenditures in the U.S. over the next five years. The next side, next big commitment was from is GM. They're going to re, re, uh, they're going to bring back thirteen thousand jobs, thirteen thousand, Michigan, New York, Tennessee, Texas, and the other the top five, the other top five is Boeing, seven thousand jobs, Missouri, Montana, South Carolina will benefit, Ford, four thousand two hundred jobs. 
and then Intel, uh, about 4,000 jobs. I mean, there's a lot, a lot coming back, uh, much more than people probably realize. This is going to present problems. Remember, we're fully employed right now. The unemployment rate's really low, right? If we're reshoring a lot of jobs, what's going to happen? Where are they going to get the workers? You know, and they need skilled workers too. It's a good problem to have. We want this problem, a good problem. But for you investors, which companies do you think you should be investing in because of this? Or should you? Now, it does, you know, raise some questions, right? It does. Justin Klein are always available to assist you if you have some of those questions. Reach out to us by calling our Dana Point, California office or simply or simply uh, use the Contact Us page link at investtalk.com. And you can send me an email or just an email. And we, we, and we, are, we, we love to answer those kinds of questions that you might have. That's what our job is. We're going to answer live questions. And we can do it right now on the radio show. And the number is 888-99-CHART. You can give me a call right now. Now, on the program today, our featured talking point is four Social Security myths and the reasons why they may be exaggerated. We, uh, we've been talking about it this week lately about Social Security because it's been in the news and there's scare tactics that it's running out of money. So according to one expert, uh, Congress can take steps to mitigate revenue problems. And he's right. And you can, it's not that difficult. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more detail. Some of the other topics. July, do you know what the best bullish day of the year for stocks is? The best. The best one day. You wouldn't, you would not know it. This is so unusual. And that's why I'm going to talk about it. Do you know, have you noticed that, you know the Fed raised rates again like two weeks ago, right? Did you notice that mortgage rates in the last two weeks have fallen? Not gone up. Remember the Fed's raising the rates, yet the mortgage rate fell. Talk about that. And then, you know, the, why the, the Fed gives us the reasons why they're increasing these rates. They're worried about inflation. Well, are we going to be faced with wage inflation? And could that push the Fed even further? And what about a recession? Would that push us closer to a recession than further? Now, it's a complex issue, but I want to talk about wage inflation. So those are talking points I want to discuss today. But, of course, you drive the show. What it's on, what's on your mind? The market uh, rebounded today. The Dow is up 98 points. The Nasdaq up 59. And the S&P up 17. As you know, it's been kind of weak. You just take a, you know, you don't ever have to believe me when I tell you these things. You can prove it to yourself by looking at a chart of any of the indexes. Um, S&P, take a look at the S&P. And you'll see... That it started to fall, oh, probably right around just before mid-June. So it's been 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, about 12 trading days. Okay, 12 trading days. So you add in a couple of weekends in there, and that gives you, what, uh, 16, 17 days. So second week of June, it started to fall. And you can see it. Take a look at the chart. Don't have to believe me. So the markets have been weak. Now the question is, where is it going to bounce from? Because I'm pretty convinced we're not in for a bear market. That's not happening. 
I'm Steve Peasley, and if you're a regular Invest Talk listener, you know that Justin and I work very hard to use a realistic perspective when we discuss financial investment news. Our commentary is not influenced by third party propaganda. We don't have to do that. So I'm looking forward to giving you straight answers to your questions. So please give me a call at 888 99Chart. I am putting my money on the table right alongside yours. It's called parallel investing, and it's one of the differences that sets KPP Financial apart. It means that you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder if the people managing your retirement portfolio have your best interest at heart. The same programs, I buy the same stocks, same price as the clients. That's what parallel investing is all about. If you'd like to know more about parallel investing and any of the KPP financial programs, just visit investtalk.com or call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. The principals at KPP Financial put themselves in their client's shoes and walk with them every step of the way. If I decide to get out of that stock, I get out at the same time, same price as you, get in, out. And that means our money is riding right along with our clients. You are listening to Invest Talk, heard live weekdays on radio and web stream and available anytime via archived podcast at investtalk.com. July 4th is coming up fast, but now you've got investment and finance questions and you can count on Steve for answers. Call him 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's talk about the Social Security myths that are out there. Okay, I'm going to go one by one. We're going to have to go fairly fast. Uh, Number one myth, if the funds run out, today's workers will never get what they put in. Now, of course, that's not true. I kind of debunked that yesterday about that. You know, there is no lockbox. The money that we pay now is being used now, and it will always be that way. But we used less in the past, and now we're going to start using some of that we use, that we put aside. Number myth two, tapping the trust fund starts a spiral toward doom. No. We've already tapped it. We tapped it in 1982. That didn't, and then the, the government changed some rules and extended the ages and did things, tweaked it, and it's been good for a long time. Number three myth, preserving Social Security requires huge tax hikes or benefits. No. Just some tweaks. Probably have to maybe slowly increase the the uh, tax. It's at 12.4% now. It used to be 108 back in 1982. Now it's 12.4. So they have to they have to increase that. And four, Social Security problems are part of a larger democratic demographic crisis. Not really. The problem is is we're getting older and we're we're living longer. That's really the problem. So those are myths. Don't worry about it so much. Really, don't. Now, looking at the calendar today is June 28th, and you know what that means. The 4th of July holiday is next Wednesday, just six days away. I'm feeling good about that, and even though I don't like it to fall right in the middle of the week, I really don't. But that's okay. Now, for that reason, now is a good time to contact the program with your questions. You're on a roll, so let's hear from you right now. Anytime, listener line is always open, 888-99-CHART.
Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their number one mission is helping you grow and protect your money. Here's an opportunity to get started increasing the return on investment dynamics of your portfolio. Make an appointment to sit down with Steve Peasley in person for a free portfolio review. It's all happening in San Jose on July 18th. You can register now at investtalk.com. The listener lines are open. Steve's here waiting for your questions. Give him a call now, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. This is Mike from Washington. I just have a question about ETFs and India. I heard on your program the other day, I was talking with someone, that there is a lot more growth in that country, if I have that correct, than in the United States. So it might be an area to put part of your portfolio in. So I was wondering uh, what kind of advice, how would you would go about that in finding an ETF or ETF that would work for that country? Thank you for your help, and I really appreciate your program. Thank you. Well, I know there is three of them for sure, I, I but I only remember two symbols, IIF, that's I-I-F as in Frank, and I-F-N, I-Frank-Nancy. Those two are two of the exchange-traded funds focused on India, but there's a third one out there, and I would be very, you know, if you're going to think about buying India, don't, 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 don't buy too much. I mean, don't get carried away. IIF, I'm sorry, IFN is a closed-in fund invested primarily in equity securities of Indian companies for long-term capital appreciation. And IFF, okay, IIF is a closed-in fund in equity securities in India companies for, so it's the same, IFN, Looks like they're tracking the same kind of companies. So I don't know what the major difference. You have to look at the holdings to see. But uh, if you're going to buy an ETF India, I wouldn't buy more than 5% of my portfolio. I would not. Because it's a specific country. You know, if you're going to buy an ETF for emerging markets, then you can buy, you know, 10% if you wanted to. Because that's a lot of different countries. So since you're picking a specific country, you're focused, and being focused can either, it increases your risk and either make you do very, very well or not so good because you're so focused. Just don't know. Long-term, India is going to do fine. The companies there are going to do great. Okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. The Invest Talk community with many thousands of loyal listeners is very good about suggesting conversation topics. We can do that. So let's get to let's go let's get to another question that came in after hours and was recorded on in the timeline. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. This is Lorraine from Lowell. I was listening to your conversation with that young fella about GE, and I would like for you to comment on this. I bought GE when it was under thirteen. I bought it twice because I think they're going to break the company up, and if they break it up, it will be worth more, I hope way more, than the price of $12.89. Uh, I'd like to hear your comments on that. 
and I'll listen on the shelf. Thanks. So I'm wondering why you feel that they're going to break it up, because I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm curious as to why you feel that. I know they've been selling off non-core businesses, getting rid of going back to the core. This is General Electric, everybody. Manufacturers, transportation, energy generation, consumer appliances, industrial, medical equipment. I mean, it could break up easily. They could split different divisions up and... And you're right, the individual parts would probably be worth a lot more than $13.83. But have you noticed the last three days that this stock has uh, done very well? I mean, uh, G has bounced off that bottom. Uh, and I kind of think it actually is going to be, going to at least go about the, back to $15, $16 at the minimum. Okay, and it's $13.83 now. Uh, because they're, they're going to make 94 cents this year and then a dollar four next year. You get a 15 PE, which is a normal PE for the industry, and you're, you're talking about a you know 15 15 dollars and 50 cent stock. So, and that's with them assuming that their growth is going to be flat after 2019. When I don't think that, I think they'll accelerate, but we we don't know that. But I'm curious as why you think. Again, uh, in answer to your question, yeah, the stock would probably, the individual parts, if they spun them off to different companies, probably would be worth more than what they're trading at. But I don't see a reason for them to split it off. I don't know if they will do that. I don't, I don't think they will. Remember, GE was just taken off of the uh, S&P 500, uh, no, uh, the Dow. It was removed from the Dow. Notice the stock didn't go down. It actually went up. That's interesting, isn't it? I know what you may be thinking right about now. Hey, Steve, what's coming up on the Nest Invest Talk tomorrow? Are you thinking about that? Well, I will. I don't. You don't need to wonder. Tomorrow's main talking point: tech stocks are on fire despite global trade fears. You want to hear this? It's tomorrow. But for now, I'm ready to answer your financial questions. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. podcast continues next first good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with steve steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors a diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio he can make suggestions about the sectors of the future and if you'd like a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for InvestTalk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one -on -one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their number one mission is helping you grow and protect your money. 
Here's an opportunity to get started increasing the return on investment dynamics of your portfolio. Make an appointment to sit down with Steve Peasley in person for a free portfolio review. It's all happening in San Jose on July 18th. You can register now at investtalk.com. The listener lines are open. Steve's here waiting for your questions. Give him a call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Why don't you give me a call? We'll talk about anything that's on your mind. Right now, let's talk about mortgage rates. They have fallen two weeks in a row. They're now, a 30-year fix is now 4.55%. And the reason why I'm even bringing this up is, do you remember the Federal Reserve hiked rates? And I've told you previously that the Federal Reserve doesn't control all the rates. It doesn't control the mortgage rates. The Federal Reserve only controls, controls one rate. Now, that word control is important. They control one rate, and that's a rate they charge banks to borrow money from the Federal Reserve. The banks generally pass that increase or decrease on to us consumers, but they don't have to. And in this case, they're not really passing on the increase of that rate, uh, of the Federal Reserve increase in rates, on to us consumers. What's driving the rate down? Supply and demand. Simple supply and demand. Investors are plowing tons of money into bonds. Treasury bonds, especially, because of safety. It's just what, the way they've been doing recently, in recent weeks. So, And mortgage rates kind of track the 10-year Treasury more than it tracks anything else. It's not linked. It's just tracking it. But demand for mortgage has gone down. Has gone down. And actually, the signed mortgages are down at a four-month low. Why is that? Because of a lack of housing. Not for a lack of demand, but a lack of housing. So there's not that many choices out there. People are not finding the house they want, or the builders are not building fast enough. And, you know, it's, I really do think housing has put in a peak. I think we are at peak housing right now. This summer is going to show, the, show us all that this is peak housing. Does that mean it's going to go down all of a sudden? No. That's not what that means. It just means that I think we've seen the peak. I don't think prices are going to climb much higher. I don't think, uh, you know, the demand is not going to be much higher. I, I just don't see that. I think it's going to be steady. Okay, let's go to Joe in San Diego. How you doing, Joe? Great. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. I thank you for the call. I have a question. I wanted to put about 3% of my portfolio in a higher-risk Canadian company called Canopy Growth Corporation. They just listed okay. in the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Symbol is CGC. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're out of uh, Smith Falls, Ontario. It's a Canadian-based company manufactures and sells marijuana for medical and recreational cannabis cons- consumers. Uh, it is legal in Canada, if I remember right. It's uh, even the Correct. federal government there. Yeah, so it's legal all throughout Canada. And in the United States, it's only legal in certain states, but it's still against the law, a federal Federally. law here in the United States. And I do yep. believe at some point that's probably going to change. And that's what you're betting on, right, Joe? Yep. Okay. Sales, even without 
the U.S. benefit is, are, is really taken off. Uh, they were up over 100% or more for every quarter for the last eight quarters prior to the most recent quarter. This most recent quarter, sales were only up 56%. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's a $5.8 billion company. They're going to make $0.02 cents this year. I'm sorry. They're going to lose $0.37 cents this year and make $0.02 cents next year. And then they're going to make $0.43 cents the year before. So you're right, Joe. This would be a pretty big speculative play because $0.43 cents is not worth $30 stock. It's just not yep. making $0.43. Cents. But it went up from $0.02 cents to $0.43. Cents. If it doubles or triples again, which is the expectation – in you know 2021 2022 then yeah the stock will continue to rise so yeah it's not that old of a company as you probably know right you know it's not right it, it's what so um i think that you could take three percent and take a shot at it yes okay but you cool. have to know it's a high risk play absolutely okay i appreciate no, it. i don't have a problem you. with Thanks for the call. People think that I don't take risks, that I only buy companies that make money, and generally 99, 9 tenths of the time, that is absolutely true. Buy companies that make money. Buy companies that are overvalued. But it doesn't mean you can't take a little bit of money and take a shot at something. But you just have to be prepared to lose all the money. That's all. But, you know, the sales growth is pretty spectacular. Earnings are turning around pretty spectacularly. So it's a company that you could take a shot at. They're making money. Well, they are this year anyway. I'm Steve Peasley, and I appreciate the fact that so many of you Invest Talk listeners continue to demonstrate your loyalty and interest in the program and all of its benefits, hopefully benefits. We inform and educate. That's what Justin and I do. And we're happy to do it. I like to have been doing it for years. After this live radio show ends today, you can continue your Invest Talk learning by clicking on our library of archived podcasts and reading about our investment philosophy. There's a bunch of articles, and you go to you just go to investtalk.com. Plus, no matter when you have a question, you can submit it to us on our 24-hour listen line. If you live in Southern California, anywhere in Los Angeles, Orange, or San Diego counties, you're always welcome to make an appointment to meet with Steve or Justin at their Dana Point offices. You'll find phone numbers and contact information at investtalk.com. And now, if you live anywhere in Northern California, KPP Financial's Steve Peasley is coming to your area. Yes, you can register to sit down in person with Steve for a free portfolio review. It's all happening in San Jose on July 18th, less than three weeks from now, but availability is limited. So get valuable advice directed to your portfolio and without obligation. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. You can talk with Steve right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Paul calling from Sacramento, California. My question is regarding Garmin, G-R-M-N. I use those watches um, for jogging, and a lot of people I know use them, so it's something that I've been looking at and watching for a while. It seems like this year has been kind of up and down after a big run-up uh, late last year. I'm just wondering if that's part of this year's market volatility, um, what you think of it as a, as a long 
hold investment and uh, what you would think would be a good price to get in uh, on a buy if you're uh, thinking it's a good buy in the first place. I look forward to hearing your guys' analysis, and I'll hear it on the uh, podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, this is Garmin Limited. Garmin. They're out of Switzerland. Manufacturers and markets handheld portable fixed-mounted GPS systems for automotive and outdoor marine and fitness. Now, I will tell you, I've been wrong on Garmin. Years ago, when the the phones, the smart first smartphone came about, I thought Garmin was doomed back then. And I said so on the air, anybody who's listened way back then, because of the the GPS and the phones and the and the the uh, the uh, the um, ability to use your phone for what Garmin did, and of course Garmin did suffer, but they they held on and they're still doing well. They're going to make three dollars and fourteen cents this year per share, then three twenty seven next year. So they're still growing. They're not growing very fast. This most recent quarter, they grew 11% in sales, which was much better than it has been. They've been raging 1% to 3% quarter after quarter. Uh, the stock is fairly valued. I mean, it's going to make $3.27, and it's a $60 stock. So you're looking at a you know, 19, 18, 19 PE. And I would say that that's a fair value at $60. Uh, so it does not have a lot of upside potential. Uh, unless it starts accelerating earnings. And, uh, but, you know, earnings only been going up about 4%. The really nice thing about it is they can afford the 3.5% dividend that they're paying. They can afford it. Turner Equity is very good at 16%. It's a very well-run company. It's efficient. Efficient with their money and their sales. Um, that tells you that the CEO management is good. And since they own about 15% of this $12 billion company, their focus is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty narrow. They, 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 they will run this company. They are running the company very well, and they spend quite a bit on R and D. So they're they're always trying to come up with new things. They spend 16.6 percent of their sales on R and D. That's huge. That's a big, big spending budget. But that will benefit them. Uh, so, you know, it has moved sideways. The chart's not saying it's, it's just stuck in a rut right now. It's stuck in a, in, a, uh, in a sideways movement, in a channel. And I, I don't know how it's going to break out of that. I, I don't see the – it needs a catalyst, some new product, something to break out of that channel. Otherwise, it's just going to stay there. And that's okay if you're you're, you're, you're just enjoying the 3.5% dividend. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice dividend. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, let's talk about what is the best trading day of the year going back to 1950. Looking at every trading day of the year going back to 1950, what day has been the best? You'll be surprised. It's July 2nd. July 2nd. You, I would have guessed November, December, because that's when the market usually starts to rally. But what's interesting is in the summer, the market, you know, bottoms like, remember, go away in May, remember that old saying? So what tends to happen is May is weak and June is weak, and then July, sometime in July, there's a bounce. And apparently July 2nd is the day that is the bounce the best. What is that day? What's the average move up of that day? Oh, well, you know, don't get too excited. It's 0.38%. 
I mean, it's pretty small, but it's very, 83% of the time, 83% of the time, it goes up on July 2nd. And the average is 0 .3, 0 0.35, I'm sorry, 0.35%. And that's since 1950. Now, what's really interesting, if you, if you drill down deeper and you look at two different charts, look at the charts uh, for just uh, for the second, for a first term present, second year, midterm election year, and then look at all the other years. And look at a chart of the stock market after July 2nd. Because it's the same truth that July 2nd still is the best year, best day. You'll see that the move, up, what happens is there's a lot of sideways, slightly up move toward about October. Then sometime in October, in the mid the second, the midterm election year, this market takes off. Takes off. Other than the rest of the time, it moves up also, but not nearly as fast. Now that I find interesting. Now, remember I also gave you a stat, I don't know, about a month or so ago, saying in the second, in a midterm election year of a first term president, from the bottom of the year, which is this year, so the bottom of the year, well, we may have put that in, what, in February, then retested in a April or so, we may have put in that bottom. I'm not sure because we're showing weakness again now, and we'll see how far it goes down. It's nowhere near as the bottom than it was before. But from the bottom of that year, this year, the second, the midterm election year of a first-term president, the market averaged up about 30%, the lower 30%, into the next year. So up this year, and then into next year. Hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be true every time. That's just historical data. I like looking at historical data. I really enjoy it because I know from experience that it tends to be true, that history tends to repeat itself. And why is that? Because people are the same. People don't change. They tend to react the same. Why, why, why is that midterm election year? Everybody's concerned about the midterm elections. What is it going to do? Many times in the midterm election year, the party that's not the party of the presidency, the party that's not the party of the presidency, this year it's Republican, right, is the party that, takes, that wins more House and Senate seats generally, not less, more. So what does that do? Well, that pretty much ensures a lot of, a lot of gridlock in Washington. Well, the stock market likes that. They don't like Washington always changing things. They hate that. They don't want a one-party rule. <laughs> they don't want one party to dominate and make all the changes. The market likes stability. It doesn't like change. And why do you think that the market's not acting very well now? Because we have a big change in the Federal Reserve stance. They keep raising rates instead of leaving them real low. The market likes them real low and don't change them. That's what the market likes. So we are dealing with, this year, a lot of uncertainties. Trade war, interest rates, uh, midterm elections. There's a lot of things that are not very comfortable for 
market participants. Now on the next invest talk, uh, on the next on the next invest talk, tech stocks are on fire despite global trade fears. Tech stocks. You can learn more tomorrow if you tune in. But now, I'm waiting for your call. I'll have answers for your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. Trying to understand how to evaluate some of the oil stocks. Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART. And now's the best time. Next Invest Talk, tech stocks are on fire despite global trade fears. Learn more tomorrow. But now, Steve is ready and waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, time to give me a call. Let's go to Bob. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Hi, Steve. Uh, I talked to you a while back about HCP. Uh, it's a, uh, okay. a, a, a uh, elder care type of thing, and I was wondering yes. what's going uh -huh. on. I've been watching it. It's been going up for the last couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, the symbol well, is uh, like... H, like in how Charlie Peter. I got it. Yeah. Well, it looks like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to a lot of things, and I know you can't, Bob, because you don't, your, your life is not like my life, where I look at all <laughs> the sectors on many shares. But what's happening, and I'm seeing value stocks are starting to make a move. They're moving nicely in recent period. And HCP is a REIT that owns and acquires and leases 744 healthcare-related facilities, pays a very nice dividend of 5.8%. It's a stock that's $25.70, and it's going to make $1.80 next year. So, you know, $1.80, that means 25 I mean, you're talking about 13 P.E., and paying a 5.8% dividend. So I think what you're just seeing is people recognizing and recognizing that there's good value, and at the same time, I can get a very nice dividend. Now, okay. I don't think it can go much higher than, I don't think it's going to go much higher than $29, $30 a share. I don't. But um, it looks pretty good to me. It's moved from twenty-one fifty all the way up to twenty-five in the last what two months? So, yeah, it's been, it's yeah. been moving up. Yeah. And uh, SNH is another one I hold, and I've been uh, yeah. well, I've had that for several oh two or three years. But SNH is another one that is a, a, a REIT, and because the interest rates have been going up, and these have been going up, and I say, wait a minute, this is backwards because usually when the rates go up, the uh, the uh, uh, REITs go down, but uh, in this case, it's been just Usually. the opposite. Yeah, but uh, HCP, let me look at SNH, uh, see if it's the same thing. Yes, both of those REITs, they do have debt, but not that much debt, Bob. So I think that they're not being as affected as this rate increase. And remember, the rate is actually the long, you know, other than the Fed fund rate, the rate is actually kind of stabilized here. It's not really okay. going up, but it, but the Fed is still going to raise rates. I'm worried about inflation. I'm really am wage inflation. Well, yeah, we'll I'm, I'm concerned about them. I'm I'm going to keep watching them every day. I check them out, but uh, the one yep. SNH pays around eight, almost nine percent. So yeah, I, I got my money back on that one a long time ago. 
Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Good job. Thanks for the call, Bob. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, concerning wage inflation, everybody, that I, I, the reason why I'm worried about it is that, you know, we have very low unemployment rate. And I we talked at the opening of the show about all the, the reshoring going on, companies opening factories here in the United States, employing more and more and more people. And that, that has been going on for many years, but it's accelerating here with the new tax cuts. Uh, so what's going to happen is I think we're going to, and then you got the other side where uh, Trump is, you know, clamping down on, on, on immigration, right? So factories are going to be looking for workers and they're not going to be there. So maybe they're going to start attracting them with higher money, more money, more and more salaries. I, that's a good thing. We want people to make more money. I, I understand that. But I'm talking about from a financial situation, an economic situation or economic viewpoint, this could push up inflation. If it pushes up wage inflation, the Federal Reserve will accelerate raising rates. Now, I've told you, and I continue to tell you, I think the Federal Reserve should stop raising rates for a while, for like a year. Because it takes nine months for an increase in rate to filter through the economy. It takes a long time, six to nine months, sometimes a year. So we don't, and the Fed, and I've always pointed this out to you also, that every recession we've had, the Fed usually raises rates before the recession. They push us toward that recession cliff. And I don't see any different this time. I, I don't. So I am a little bit concerned. Just point it out. I'm just a little bit concerned. Thank you for listening in. Today is a Thursday, and next Wednesday is July 4th. Happy birthday, America. Justin, I thank you for listening today, and I hope you have a great night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights. 